Hey guys, welcome to the After Laugh. I'm here with uh, my new friend, Claudia K. How you doing, Claudia? Hi. Yeah. Doing good. Hold the microphone to your mouth. I know it's a little awkward. Hello, hello. I know I wanted to be like completely like cinema verita, where like, did I say that right? Where like you can you can uh, be as natural as possible, but you have to hold a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I've like just forget you have a massive yellow mic in <laughs> your face. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> um, so let me just say, I I met you. You were at Greenblatt's after a comedy show. Yes. And I was with two of my male comedy friends, and they were all like nudging me, like, "Who's that girl? Who's that girl?" <laughs> so I don't know. One of us approached you, and we're like, "Hey, what's up?" And I think we invited you to a comedy show. Yes, you did. And did you go? Did you see me at a comedy show? Yes, I did. Really? Yes. Which you were that guy that came and approached me. <laughs> I was the one. And yeah. you came to the show at the Laugh Factory. I did. How did I do? You did great. Do you remember any of the material? Yes, I remember most of it. Now, you know what's funny about that is I, um, I've been kind of struggling about, not struggling, but there's a lot of talk about what's your voice in comedy and i found recently that what what interests me there's the motorcycle i was talking about I was going mm -hmm. to go you did warn me is that um <laughs> is that i am a liberal human being i used to i grew up believing that either you're liberal or you're misguided or evil right and as i got older and as i started kind of opening the box of my mind into more things i became a lot more moderate just because I became very sick of what I felt was happening with the liberal uh, community, particularly in L.A., you know, it is where if you're mm -hmm. not this or you're not that. It, it, I made a joke about it the other day that if you like we're the liberal, if, if you don't support a Democrat uh, candidate, then you are then you are a fascist, which is a fascist comment to say. That's just like if you don't believe in this one party system, then you're fascist. I started like looking deeper into it and I started listening to like right wing podcasts like, oh, like I can't, I can't. But then I started listening. To, OK, yeah, there's bullshit on both sides, you know. So my comedy is kind of trying to Trojan horse a lot of sort of picadillos I have with <laughs> liberal thought in my comedy okay. that doesn't seem like I'm a political comic. And the result can be a lot of a lot of weird hatred and can be a lot of uh, people who get on board. I just did, I just posted something on Instagram where I'm mocking the way that guys talk about having sex with women. Hmm. And it became in like everybody hated it because yeah. they thought it was me talking about how I have sex with women. Like, no, no, no. I'm commenting about how douchey guys sound. And you kind of can't convince people. They just no. see it and they go, fuck you. Yeah. But the funny thing is, too, is if they go, fuck you, you suck. And I go, hey, man, what's up? They're like, I'm a big fan. Will you come to Tupelo <laughs> and, and perform at my club? <laughs> anyway, so um, so you came to the show. And you wait, you remember what, what was what was I talking about? I was probably talking about going on a date with a vegan girl. Yeah, that I remember. Are you vegan? I am not vegan, but I did try once. How long did that last? After I watched What the Health on Netflix. I feel like everybody, everybody watched something on Netflix that yes, turned them vegan. Yes, they did. Yes, and I, I, I changed a bunch of people over. 
Really? I mean, my entire family went vegan as well. Wow. I did the I did it for four months, so technically I saved 36 animals, according well, to That's <laughs> There is literal calculus <laughs> yes, there is. to how many animals you saved? Yep. Yeah. And then what was the moment where you're like, I need a burger or what was the thing? <laughs> I know people who you are know, vegan, they dream about like steaks and shit. Actually, for me, it wasn't I, I couldn't even look at meat the same way. And I didn't have that. And, and I'm, I was always a meat eater. I, yeah, I ate steak for breakfast, lunch. And, and you're from where originally? I'm from Toronto, Canada. OK. Yeah. But my background is I'm Polish and. Yes. Born in Greece. A lot of sausage. Kind of, yeah, yeah, all over the map. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> kebabs. A lot of sausage, yeah. Mom cooks those all the time. <laughs> so you're vegan for four months. I'm and vegan what happened? for four months, and it was hard, but I did find a few nice places in L.A. that helped me survive. Uh-huh. And uh, the green nature is amazing. It's near Pico. And the green nature. I haven't Pico, heard of it. I think it's La Cie No, what is it? It's Pico. God, don't ask me about directions. You already know. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I told you. I said it's due, it's due <laughs> east of the Laugh Factory, and oh you went due no. north. Well, um, but that's fine. Luckily, I'm not I was a couple meters away. Yes. So <laughs> I, wa I want to get to your, your story up until now. Now, you said you, you're from Toronto, and then you yes. made the move to New York. Yes, I lived in. Tr I was brought up in Toronto, Canada, and then I moved to New York for film school. What film school? I went to the New York Film Academy, which is the big name is can't really say it, but Brett Ratner, right? Yes, sir. Was he around? He was not, but there were a lot of interesting people that used to show up for little interviews, like. Um, Kevin Spacey came and did an interview. Uh, let's get every sexual harasser yeah. on the planet who came in and gave you interviews. Yeah. So Kevin Spacey came, but he wasn't I interested in you, obviously. I mean, it's so <laughs> sad. It, it, that, that was a sad story to hear because I was always a fan until I heard that. That was a little heartbreaking. Now, I want to talk to you about this because obviously yeah. a, as, a, as a woman in Hollywood, which yeah. you would describe yourself, um, things have obviously changed and the conversation has changed. I, When I was in just out of school and like, 2001 maybe I knew friends at Miramax mm -hmm. and they're like you know Harvey gets people to blow him for oh parts God. and I was like nah uh, uh -uh. he Bro. couldn't still be working <laughs> and they're like yeah I quit because of it and I heard that in 2001 mm -hmm. so when the stuff started coming out and then Meryl Streep was like Harvey Weinstein is a god I'm like bitch if I knew when I was in just out of school you knew so there is something, uh, I don't know if, if Hollywood was involved in like a mass cover up with stuff or people, it was like willful ig ignorance that people like to, you know, claim like. From the beginning of time, Hollywood. Oh yeah, what a lot of people don't realize is that if you look at the history of Hollywood, like yeah. old school studios, well, like Warner. From the day it started, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a pattern that continues today and that's why so many women have spoken up especially in the past you know year and a half two years we br branched out and had a lot to say about what's really going on in the industry and yeah there, there definitely isn't a level of respect um for everyone yeah and there's not you know equal pay and there's not equality and that's why so many women have been so frustrated sexually frustrated as sure. well sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> because the wrong people have been approaching them yes you know yeah and uh it was i i ended up doing a comedy show like three days <laughs> after harvey weinstein like got busted i have a harvey weinstein story for you too. oh i can't wait to hear yeah. it and i i went up there and i think it was my, my friend lauren savan had the the situation where he took her to the basement of a restaurant 
and he like jerked off at a plant. Ooh. I don't know if you heard oh that one. God. And I thought that'd be a funny joke about, you know, what about the poor plant? Like <laughs> you stuck there, he get. And I remember the audience was just like, who no. the fuck are you or to make cares? any jokes? I'm kind of yeah. like, I'm trying <laughs> to do something. Uh, and it didn't work, so I stayed yeah, away from that for a while. A sensitive topic for sure. Yeah. Um, so we can get to your Harvey ones, but let's backtrack a little bit. So you went to film. Were your parents like? Were they uh, supportive of this type of move? So my dad was not around. He left when I was really young, so I was raised by a single mom, uh-huh. and she was very supportive. Yeah. She was emotionally very supportive. Anything I wanted to do, she believed in me, and she always had my back no matter what I wanted to do she said you know there's no you know what you want and I know I can't convince you otherwise so I might as well support you or you yeah know, well did you have crazy fades you're like I want to be this since I was like young I wanted to be an actress when I was eight years old I wanted to be an actress and my mom decided to um, put me um, into the Living Arts Center and I started acting on stage at a young age oh wow and that was my first little... What like, was your I first play? Do you remember? You know, I don't remember the name of my first play, but I did play the lead, and I don't remember the name because this was It's so like elementary God. school. I, mean, I was eight years old. That's amazing. That was my first little... You were lead at eight years old? I was, and there was like, I don't know how many people showed up, maybe 40. It was like all parents. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, of course. But it was really, it was, you know, it made me feel so like, I'm going to go to high school and be an actress, and then like <sighs> I... I ended up um, auditioning to the Etobicoke School of the Arts. and What was it called? Etobicoke School of the Arts. Etobicoke? Etobicoke. I never heard of that. That's Etobicoke. a very Canadian name. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right outside of Toronto. It's like okay. literally on the border right there. And that's right a high there. school. And that's an art high school. Mm-hmm. And, and you went there. I went there. And I so you're deep in you're deep cuts now. You're like I'm an actress. <laughs> I mean seriously. You know what? No, when I because through from that time till from eight till fourteen, I was still figuring out what I wanted to do. Uh-huh. And my mom kept telling me, "You're an actress. You're an actress. You should be an actress. You're just born to do this." Since you were, you know, since you were three years old, you would walk up to people and start complimenting them and telling <laughs> them that like you love the way their hair looks and you were always like in the spotlight. Like this is what you need to do. And I just, I was always such a brat. And I was like, I don't know if that's what I'm supposed to do. Like yeah. I, I let me figure it out, you yeah. know. And then 14 hit, high school hit. I'm like, what am I gonna do? I mean, yeah, I'm gonna be an actress. So sure. I. I went to high school for it. I, I auditioned. How many and people were in your high school? Like, was it a small class? It, I don't know. I went to NYU. Well, I, went gosh, to NYU. I don't remember this I went stuff, to, to be honest. But it is small. Yeah. And it was like 18 people. Yeah. Well, well, it's not like Juilliard where it's like, well, I mean, that's university. But it, Juilliard's like ridiculous. They took like two people out of a thousand people auditioning because I, I had an experience. But <laughs> Oh, you auditioned for Juilliard? Yeah, I did. I did. I auditioned for Juilliard, too. You did? Yeah, it's like a whole weekend. Oh, it is. Where you lay on the floor and you breathe. Yes. And then you do all you this do the, weird yes. shit. Yeah, and it they, was. They didn't take. But the a, NYU was similar. Similar, mm-hmm. like, weekend. And at the end, they kind of, like, decide. And the weird thing about I always. I, I, I went to undergrad for Princeton. I remember I, the same experience at Princeton was at NYU, which is. In the beginning, you're like, I can't believe I got in here. Right. And about a year later, you're like, I can't believe he got in here. <laughs> I can't believe she got in here. Because they're just yeah. shitty, untalented people mm-hmm. wherever you go on the planet. Yeah, you know. there is. So you're in this school of a small, like 20 people, 40 yeah, people? Yeah, it was small. It was small. but um, Are you still in touch with these people? With some of them, actually, I am. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. I just... Was it competitive? Was it like a competitive 
vibe. I mean, in Canada, I feel like nothing's really competitive. No, people are so nice there. Yeah, they are. Everyone's so nice and sweet and, like, forgiving and understanding. And, you know, I mean, you'll have the random Bitch. human being. Yeah, of course. <laughs> There's always someone that yeah. you're like, I don't know. Yeah, want yeah that's, class. like, constantly picking a fight. And you're like, what is your problem? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 Seriously. Yeah. But, no, I, I had a wonderful, like, high school experience. I, I have... It was amazing, actually. I had so much fun. And it's four and years. Yeah, four years. And at the end, is it like, are you prepped to get an agent at that point? I did get an agent my last year. Mm-hmm. Um, my last year of high school, I was signed to Norbert Abrams at Noble Kaplan Abrams uh-huh. in Toronto. And he also represents represented Nina Dobrev at the time. So we were both the brunettes next door on his yeah. roster. And the competition, obviously, there was no competition. <laughs> she <laughs> she knocked it out the park, and every single time it came down to the two of us, she got it oh, every so time. Oh, you like you being yes. cast rooms like this bitch yeah. is here for this. Yeah. she can't get every yeah. part. It was pretty much. I know, it was pretty much. I know like a lot that. of little people. Yeah, uh, actors yeah. who were up against Dinklage <laughs> and Peter Dinklage, and they were just like that motherfucker took every god like if. I mean, it didn't matter what the role was. He could be working three films. He's like, I want that one too. And they f- they were like angry that he was monopolizing every little person role. But hey, good but of him. course you're going to be angry if somebody else is succeeding and you want what they have. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to pretend like y- it doesn't phase you, especially yeah, if you're course. like putting all your emotion on the line and like yeah. hoping and praying that like you'll be the one to get it. Of course. You know, it's it's. So you at this point, you're not going to go to college because you're a professional <laughs> actress, right? Well, actually, I was going to, well, that was the, well, I I didn't consider myself a professional actor at that time. I I was so grateful that I got signed to one of the top agents in Toronto. Yeah. Um, But at the time, yeah, I didn't, I didn't think I was some some big shot or some actress because I wasn't. I just got signed. I was still new to it. Um, So I I did go to university. Uh What university go to? Uh, Ryerson University. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it's it's like the... well, there's Toronto, I know the University of Toronto. Everyone knows yeah, everyone knows McGill. Ryerson University is is uh, one of the top schools in, in and Toronto. And did have a good theater program there, too? One of the best theater programs in the country. Okay, so you're yeah. still on the theater. Did you major in that? I got a scholarship to go there. Nice. And then I, so I was at the Performing Arts Theater Program at Ryerson University, and it was, it was wonderful. I did it for about six months, and that's when I realized I do not want to act on stage anymore. Wow. What I was that? There must have been a precipitating moment where there that was. Yeah, there was. Well, it? It, I don't know about the moment. I just, I definitely had like a. Come to Jesus. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, "This is too fake for me." <laughs> it's just I, I didn't care to make sure that the person in the last row of the audience could hear me mm. and see my character. For me, that was so disconnected to the truth and the reality of yeah. like. What, reality. what you were trying yeah you were trying <laughs> exactly. to express tru- truisms e- and you exactly. had to like face artificially face out mm-hmm. speak loud yeah. from the back of your voice and then be this like character and i was just so over being a character i, I was so in love with the idea of film and television yeah. where it's just you the camera the mm-hmm. person behind the camera and the audience it's that personal personal now this, this is great because i've never really talked to people about this and i think it's an interesting subject so I went to, you know, I went to NYU grad school, which is a very right. prestigious school. Yeah. And um, I wanted to go, but I couldn't because I didn't have my papers yet. You do yet. Shakespeare and Chekhov <laughs> and Shakespeare and Chekhov. Shakespeare yes. and Chekhov. And the whole time you're doing it, you're like, 
am I ever going <laughs> to do fucking Shakespeare and Chekhov when I get right. the fuck out of school? Right. And some people, they definitely, and also like musical theater, like I can't sing. No, neither can I. So I was kind of confused at how, like we had like one like film day, one workshop for film, you know, like yes. Joanna Merlin did like a film workshop day. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, the only people that anybody know from NY grad school are the people who are stars in TV and film. Right. So why are we not spending any time focusing? And meanwhile, people would book roles. And I, I actually booked a lead in a uh, in a film. Uh, I'm going to date myself. It, was, it, it went to Sundance. I'm not going to name a film. Ooh, look at you. Uh, I had to turn <laughs> it down because it mean I missed my oh. last play at school. And it was stupid because it like won awards at Sundance. Oh, so, no. And I was like, there'll be plenty of Sundance films. Haven't been back yet. Oh, um, no, that happens. That happens. happens a lot when you're young. You're like, oh, these opportunities. You know what they say, 80%. E- <laughs> 80%, of, 80% of what? Now I'm scared. 80% of success is just showing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's 80% right there. And I got offered because he saw me in a play. He goes, I want you to play this lead in this role. And I was like, whatever, dude. I'm doing I'm doing suburbia <laughs> at my college. Anyway, um, so so that was it. But um, so I find it's a, it's a really weird co- acting school is a bizarre contradiction terms because number one they take you in because they're like, look, this is a super super exclusive program. You're really good, and then for three years they're like, you suck. Yeah, and that can hurt a lot of people. It can. You it need can. to be delusional about your ability and your talent. And I was so. Like I thought, or very certain about your talent, and not you know, to let it phase and you. And there is a there is a phenomenon. I forget what it's called, but the phenomenon is the less talent you have, the more certain you are about your talent, and that defines LA in a nutshell. So I think I was able to like <laughs> I, I like I had terrible <laughs> diction, I had terrible projection. My oh voice was God, awful. I had the worst voice. I probably still do. That's why I was so paranoid to do this quiet. podcast. No, not quiet. It was this like squeaky, squealy, like just. You don't sound squealy. No, not now. Now my voice is. You know, I I went to radio and television. Like so, I okay. That's a long story. Let's I get this story. Yeah. yeah. So I I went to. You quit. Okay. That's it. So what was the yeah. moment when you quit? You were just like. Fuck well, so this that play. was the moment I was, was like. Pl- what I'm, play were you doing? I wasn't doing a play. It was um. I was just in theater school, mm-hmm. and I just. I didn't want to go to school one day. I said, yeah. I don't want to do this anymore. Like we were literally sitting on blocks, like these, these square blocks in the middle of a room. <laughs> and he was like, okay, improvise, you know, how you're feeling today. Pretend you're on a subway. I'm like, okay. And he's like, how are you feeling today? And just go off in a character and tell me and show me how you feel. And if you're angry, just you know, yell it out. And I was like, I'm not feeling any of this right now. Yeah. Like I, <laughs> I do not want to go to B. class tomorrow. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm like, I, I, I want to act like in a movie. Like I don't want to do this, like yeah. this over exaggerated crew. But at the same time, I'm so grateful that I had that theater training Yes. because it really does show you perspective as an actor Yeah. and it makes you appreciate and see things that, you never would have if you didn't have that theater training. Absolutely. Some of the best actors in the world all are theatrically trained. I mean, if you look at people who go, and I know a lot, of, because NYU and, and Juilliard were kind of the kind of rival schools, and a lot of people who went to Juilliard, coming out of four years of Juilliard, 
they were a mess because they were indoctrinated into like it's all about <laughs> Alfred Hausman and Shakespeare and all this stuff. Yeah. And for like a year or two, they're they're scrambling, but after that, they come into their own and they fucking kill it. I mean, the amount of people from Juilliard that just yeah burn up the stage and the and TV. So um, I mean, they know how to find talent. That's for sure. Yeah, they definitely know. It, but that's but why they choose like one out of a thousand people. Yeah, but but <laughs> but it takes some time. And I know that for for me, like auditioning, like when you go out into the world, first of all, you you learn the Shakespeare, you learn sh- Chekhov, and you get into the world, and like, okay, you're auditioning to play like some redneck from blah 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 blah, and you're like, oh, well, this is why I wanted to do it, but now I don't know if I have the tools to really figure it out because I've been thinking about Shakespeare and Chekhov for so long. <laughs> So it took me a while to kind of like like learn what it meant to be in front of a camera. I'm still figuring it out. Um, so from there, you dropped out. That was a big deal. What did your mom think? She was not happy. She was like, this was your dream, girl. Well, she was definitely just, I think she was more scared of like what's going to happen. What are you going to do did next? Did she do like, are you going to marry a nice rich man to take care of you? No. No, no she's, she was always the one that's like, you got to figure it out on your own. Mm. Like, no one's going to help you in this world. Wow, you got to do her. it on your own. That's and great. I was like, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you clearly. So you dropped out. Do you take some time off? Did you have a Ram Springer or what did you do? Mm, I think I did take a time. Yeah, I did. I, I, had, I had to think back for a second. Um, did you yeah. start winning tables and just figuring I, out? I I not then. Actually, yeah, I did. Yeah, I was working at a diner. Okay. I was working at a fifties diner, like one of the nice. hot spots in Toronto. I was Were working. Were you in a character like chewing gum? Like, so what do you want? For literally. You? Yeah. Literally. Like I had my the cute little outfit on, little <laughs> bow in my hair. Aww. Yeah, it was really cute. And we had like a bunch of you know, uh, celebrities and comedians that would always come in because the um, Massey Hall was right across the street. Massey Hall, huge. Yeah, yeah. 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 And yeah, I would always work double shifts and then I would, you know, go to my gym class and then I would run to my class at, in university and it was just like a crazy schedule. Yeah. Ha- university was crazy busy. And so you dropped out of the acting program and you I dropped out of the acting radio, program. Yeah, so I dropped out of the acting program and well, I wouldn't say dropped out, but I transferred into yes. the radio and television program focusing on television production because uh-huh. I was more curious about the business a little bit yeah. more, not just being in front of the camera. Yeah. So rate, unfortunately, radio and television production was one class, one course. One I mean, course. not one course, one one program. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's why I minored in television production. Uh-huh. And then I took a bunch of film classes because I was also I, I was mainly only interested in film and making film and then making film. Yeah. I didn't realize I was interested in making film until. I took a couple of these film courses, yeah. and so my 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 path in the film in the business has been just all over the map. It yeah. started on stage, it went into acting and um, for film and te- uh, for film and television, auditioning even for commercials, you know, going to film school, figuring out if I I thought I wanted to be a director, I thought I wanted to be an editor just because I was good at it. Then I thought, no, I want to be a cinematographer because I love looking through a lens and capturing a moment. And you know, I went through all the phases of yeah, of it's all connected too. It, and then I was like, this is all interconnected. But what is it that I really, really love the most? And it took me a really long time to 
to pinpoint that and know this is it for the rest of my life. There's no debt. And did you figure this out in school? And I figured it out in school. What was it? Producing. Producing. Everyone told me since I was, I, I, since I can remember, you're a natural producer. Everywhere you go, you network, you meet people. Most people like you. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and y this is what you got to do. I yeah. mean, you, you put people together, you make things happen. This is what a producer does. And it took me a minute to realize, my God, I do not want to make shot lists with my cinematographer yeah. and go through equipment and, and the technical stuff with yeah. my DP. I could care. I do not want to be a director. Yes. And that's when I was like, I'm a producer. <laughs> that's fantastic. Took me so, a minute. <laughs> so you get this, you graduate from school now, yeah. and you're in Toronto, mm -hmm. which is still pretty. I mean, there is a film business in Toronto, but actually, I transferred before I graduated. I transferred to the New York Film Academy in New York. Yes, which is a two-year program. And that move, it it is a two-year program, but I only did a one-year because I didn't have the money to do the two-year. Okay. So, and I was working three jobs to get into that school. It was like $3,600. I'm so <laughs> Oh, I make uh, myself $3, laugh. $3,600. I, my, I make myself laugh. <laughs> that is so expensive. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, $36,000. Yes. So <laughs> for the, wow. for the semester, so for a semester, $36,000. Yeah. yeah. So I was working Jesus three jobs. Fuck. I was going to school. And your mom isn't helping you. And, and mom gave me $10,000 to start me off. Okay. And she was like, this is saved for you. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I do not have more. And you're like, good luck. Fly away, little birdie. Yeah. So I was like, okay, let's get to work. And I'm even just finding a place in Man Manhattan. By the way, that took me seven days to coordinate all of that and get out there. I How did you find a place? Literally. <clears throat> well, I went on Craigslist. <laughs> Craigslist. That's what people used to do before yeah. they were murdered. Yeah. You go on Craigslist. Yeah. And, and you got to be careful. For where sure. Where do you live? So I lived in Toronto, and when I found the place in New York, it was on 31st and 3rd. Murray Hill. Yeah, and it was a little walk down. So when I looked out my window, I could see half bodies walking by. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it was the smallest little box. It had a little fireplace, though. But by yourself? By myself. That's nice. It was a little box. It was 16.50 a month, and it had... It didn't even have a kitchen. It had, like, a small little fridge. It had... It did have a dishwasher. Okay. And that's it. That's something. <laughs> had a fridge, a dishwasher, and it had a fireplace, and then it was a box. And the fireplace worked, too. And the fireplace worked. Oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to find that. Yeah, I know. The place is probably worth like $4,000 And And that was like, and, and I remember coming from Toronto where my rent was. So at that time, I had a roommate living with me, and I was paying fourteen fifty total, so seven seven twenty five each. And from seven twenty five, I had to go to sixteen fifty a month. So wow! And I had one week, and I was like, "How am I going to do this?" So you became like a Jamaican, had like four <laughs> jobs. Like, how am I going to survive? How am I going to do yeah. this? I'm going to figure this out. I got this. Like, I had to convince myself that I was, you know, I I was capable what enough were the jobs to do that you it. Took? I was bartending. Uh -huh. Luckily, I got my bartending license in Toronto before I left. Good. So call. I got. I'm. A you make a lot of money bartending. People don't realize exactly. that. Exactly. That that's how I survived you for like the longest thousand time. Thousand bucks a night sometimes. That, that's that's how I survived. Where'd you bartend? Even when I was in LA, the first year and a half, almost two years, and still randomly on days, depending on on what it is, sometimes people will call me, and and you know it's different. I mean, not now, but yeah, uh, as as short as two, less than three years. Yeah. 
ago, I was still doing it. That's great. Yeah. And it's like, and, and sometimes I'll still get that phone call and, and sometimes it'll be worth it. Yeah. Because uh, I'm just saying in the Hollywood Hills and in, in Los Angeles, they pay very well bar- bartenders. Oh, I'm sh- oh, so you do like yeah. private parties and stuff Yeah, like, that. like they'll pay $1,000 a night. I catered once and it's I crazy. spilled wine. <laughs> so you got and fired? <laughs> so it's so funny because people talk about like, you know, your survival jobs. So my yeah. survival, the first job when I was in, when I was in uh, grad school, I was, I had a minor in theater and dance. And when I was a young kid, I was a professional break dancer, right? So you were. I was a professional break dancer. <laughs> I used to cheer on my break dancers in high school. My crew was called <laughs> Shake and Break. My name was Kid Flex. Oh my god! I was pretty good. We'd compete at Chuck E. Cheese in different Stop. places, and we'd Chuck like Chuck E. Cheese. Chuck E. Cheese used to have a, a, a team Seriously? night up until like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. And up, up through the nineties, and my then uncle um, worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Oh really? <laughs> <laughs> I used yeah. to go all the time. He used to give me all these tickets and I'd get all the prizes. Oh, that's great. That's great. That great. <laughs> so then when I got to NYU, I was like, well, I'm a dancer. So what can I do? So I started doing um, bar mitzvahs and weddings. Yeah. Which and is you wear the like sequin vest and the sequin bow tie and the shirt. And you go out Bartended there. Bartended those. They're great. You go, Grandma number two. <laughs> time for the electric slide. And, the you bring best. Up, and then you have your little solo at the end. I'd always do the worm because <laughs> um, that was my specialty. You can still see it on YouTube, but um, I really. But then from there, I was like, I'm gonna look at okay, that. I don't know if I want. <laughs> I don't know if I want to do that anymore. So I became a go-go go-go dancer. I used. To, I don't know how I got into go-go. I think if I knew a girl who's doing it, and she said, "Hey, you should you should try it." So I started go-go dancing at the Limelight, which no longer exists when I was in school, and Webster Hall, which I don't know if it's still there, and another club. And I and I remember one time, and this is like my third year of grad school. I was dancing on a box at Webster Hall and um and like boy shorts, like tight tight boy shorts, like sequin boy shorts and like and like Doc Martens <laughs> and like no shirt, lightly oiled with maybe some bracelets and necklaces oh, or something. Life is hard. And I looked over at the box, <laughs> the other box, and it was a midget dressed the exact <laughs> same way as me. And I just remember going like, What the fuck is this? And then the next time I did it they made me wear a diaper. And I wore the diaper, and I just said, "I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. I don't think I'm going to be." But I can cont- I continued to da- oh I, I lived in Virginia, so I'd go go dance at a club in in, uh, in DC. <laughs> All th- it helped pay pay my way through college, and it was kind of a cool thing. It was never like Magic Mike, like I wasn't with a team. It was <laughs> Not just in me. a diaper. <laughs> yeah, but when but when I when I got to uh, then when I got to DC, it was like, oh, I can wear baggy jeans and a baseball cap oh. and like break dance like I used to. And that's, you know, that, look, that you have to do what you have to do. And any opportunity you can take to make money and survive, you have to do it. I yeah. mean, who is one to judge? Yes. And then my other job I was doing when I was in school is I was a nude uh, artist, a nude, not art, a nude um, model for the Artist Student League on 57th Street. I was I was offered that and I almost did that. And then I was like, <gasps> but if I'm an actress, how will they? You know, I can't no one will respect nudity. me if they exactly. see my boobies. Yeah, I so, that um, and it was real, and I actually really like. And you know, what? I thought it was pretty good. I would do like really weird poses and shit. <laughs> and um, <laughs> can we find that on YouTube as well? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know if you can find the picture. But uh, you know, one one of the um, things they don't tell you about when you start is that one of the casualties of war is sometimes when you're a guy and you're you know 20 years old, you get a boner. 
It just happens. Even, yeah. You know, I'm and then you commenting. go. And you want to have like a moderate <laughs> fluff. So you look but like, you know, everyone's sort of like, <laughs> boner, sorry. And you have to hold the pose for a half hour with a boner. Like, <laughs> um, so that those are like. Did they catch the photo? Did they paint I it that way? I, n- <laughs> I never looked. I never asked. Can I check really? that out? No. Oh. I might need a dick pic in 10 years. Can you? Uh, no. Um, so then after that, I, so I kind of said, what can I do where I'm physical? I'm connected to my body. I'm not doing that, so I became a yoga teacher. And that was the third. So you lived a thousand lives. Yes, it <laughs> sure did. So, but I was doing a yoga. Te- okay, I was doing a yeah. yoga teacher, and then I then I've discovered comedy, and I was still acting at the same time. And then and that's a very similar. Yeah, I think so. Transition. I mean, I mean, not even a transition. It's a it's a comparable. Most people, most a lot of actors, are comedians. Yeah, yeah. Or so wish they were. And then I definitely quit yoga. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So so comedy was like I did comedy because I was doing off Broadway, a lot of new plays, a lot of off Broadway, and particularly New York. I don't know how it is in Toronto. It might be the same way, and I don't know how it is in L.A. I've never done theater in L.A. No, but the in New York, sure. the playwright is elevated oh, as a god. I mean, that's what it's known for. I mean, they divinely shat their words. And <laughs> if you said, "Hey, can I change?" So what happened with me with comedy? I was doing a play called Burning Blue about gays in the military. And I just wanted to change one word, and the playwright was so mad at me about changing this one word, which made the joke work so much better. And um, I ended up getting fired from the play. Oh and it put no. me into like a heart of darkness, like, my career is over, no one will work with me again. It was written up in the New York Post. And then oh a friend of mine was like, hey, man, why don't, you, uh, why don't you come do comedy? You're funny. So I went to a, uh, my first open mic. I bombed horribly. I think I got like one, like, Titter, and it was like it gave me two realizations. One is bombing isn't that bad. If you ever want to think about doing comedy, Claudia, let me tell you something. Bombing is not that bad. And number two, I go, I don't know if I want to bomb again. <laughs> right. So then I did like Eminem in the mi- you know, front of the mirror, like, and uh, and I just went from there. But anyway, uh, <laughs> so that was kind of my progression to where I am right now. So for you, you do the ra- you you have this degree uh, in radio and TV. And then, Television and, and then you and you go to this. Now, what's the first it's break that you have that kind of sets you onto your path? So I, I didn't I didn't get my degree there. I transferred all my credits from all over from all the courses that I took, including radio and television. And I transferred them to um, because I never finished because I, I just I yeah. kept moving. I kept running with what felt like the mm. next thing that I was ready to. Yeah. To try. Yeah. Um, and so I took that, all of that, and, and I took it to the New York Film Academy in New York. Uh-huh. And, and there I graduated. Yes. And you finally yes, graduated. I finally graduated. And what do they do when you graduate? They're like, here, pat you in the back, be they free. They did. Well. Or do you get agents from that, too? Um, no. I, I, I didn't want to, at that point, I didn't want to act anymore. I know, but you, do they have and agents for directors agent. and stuff like that? No, they don't have like a database that they say, you know what, we'll connect you to all these people. No, they just say, you know, now you're a free bird. Go off. You know what you know. And now you know how to do it. So that's scary as fuck. I mean, everything is scary as fuck when you think about it. Like you, everything takes effort. Everything takes time. Everything takes discipline. Everything takes, you know, it's not like nothing happens overnight. Yeah. Everything in life. Yeah. 
and some, you know, some some programs do offer you that luxury of, you know, if you accomplish X, Y, and Z, then we'll give you this. Well, basically, if you, you graduate know. from NYU or Juilliard, you get an agent, like out, out that, of the gate, the, pretty much. Right. Yeah. So yeah. not not from the New York Film Academy. They did not offer that, but. Um, did you develop any mentorships there, or do you have people no, that want to guide I you? No, I did. I mean, I met. I, I had the opportunity to meet a lot of amazing, talented people, and I keep in touch with a lot of them. That's cool. But I, I, I actually never had a mentor. Yeah. And that's one thing that I really, really wish I had. Yeah. And I've always looked for one. Yeah. And unfortunately, the mentors that I ever met, they were very short, short-lived. Short-lived. Yeah. Is this tied into the Harvey Weinstein story? Absolutely. Okay, we can get into that <laughs> in a bit. <laughs> feel like we gotta save that for this Sunday <laughs> at the end. It is um, definitely a problem. So, because you, because from 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 New York, there was a point where you were obviously like, I gotta get to L.A. Yeah. What? When did that happen? Well, um, well, because the second year of the master's program at the New York Film Academy was in L.A. Yeah. It was a master's program that I was in. Oh, okay. So with all the transfer credits, I ended up getting there, and it, I was in a master's class. Yeah. And my second, everybody there was getting their master's. Yeah. And the second year was in L.A. And I didn't have the money to get to L.A. Ah. So I stayed in New York. And obviously I cried. You okay. cried? Of course I did. I was sad. I, you know, I was like, God, send me a miracle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I really wanted to finish and have my, you know, M.A. in filmmaking and and it's always been my dream and still today when i think about it it's still my dream hold on hold on one second hey guys can you just turn down a little bit oh yeah, yeah. thank you um okay so that's fine it's part of the charm of the podcast yeah so um so you saved money that i imagine is the next move. exactly so so the next step of my life was you know working saving money to get to la and you have a car or anything, did I you? I did not have a car. So it wasn't like, I'm going to get my hoopty and drive nope. all the way? No. no, no, I did not have a car. I took a subway everywhere because the subway system in New York is uh, the number one form of transportation. Absolutely. And cabs are a nightmare, So and they're expensive, yes. so nobody takes them. And I love New York. New York is the most beautiful place in the entire world. I'm in love with New York. So you still miss it? I miss it every day, and I think, my God, what am I doing in L.A.? <laughs> <laughs> but I cannot pick up, I, I cannot leave again. I've done it so many times. I've moved so yes. many times. I just have to stay, finish what I started, and then have the luxury to choose where I want to live. Yeah, yeah. You know, until you, then. Yeah. Did you have a guy in New York that you had to leave when you came to L.A.? Actually, I did. You did? I did that meet somebody. In yeah. New my last tough. year of New York. I did meet someone. He um, he was a he owned a clothing shop on Broadway uh -huh. that like three months after we met he closed down, and he was an aspiring actor. Uh huh. And I was making you know short films, and he came so and we met during an audition that I had for one of my films. Oh, he auditioned for you. And he was the cutest one of the bunch. <laughs> and I know we're not supposed to. Hey, Dabble and play. It's <laughs> it's it happens. But it was really hard not to. And um, it was a short film, so it doesn't it really count for. <laughs> exactly, me too. it didn't mean anything. <laughs> and but and this is your first short film that you produced and th wrote and. 
This was not the first one. Um, this was like maybe the eighth one. I've okay. made a, a I've made a couple short a wow. couple shorts because of the program that I was in. Yeah. And the people that I was you know fortunate enough to have met through the program. So that was about my eighth one. The the eighth one that I did. It was my last one. Yeah. And yeah, it was great. It was wonderful, and we actually lasted five years. Five years when he you were all in New York at this time. The last year I was in New York was when we met, and then our relationship lasted five years. So you had a long-distance relationship? Long-distance relationship for a minute, and then a year later he moved here for me. Oh, wow. Which is, I, I'm which grateful. Which is always, you know, it's so... But I, at the same time, I was like, stay there. You know, it's so it's funny. over. Long-distance, it's, <laughs> I know so many people I've met who are like... It's been over. We're a couple, we're going to move to L.A. together. I'm like, good yeah. luck. It's been over. You know, it's been, it was over when I was leaving... Yeah. But at the same time, he was that one person in my life that that was always there, that no matter what I was going through in life, he was always a phone call away. Yeah. And I and it's really hard to be vulnerable in this world to everybody. Of course. Yeah. And it was just really easy with him. So it just felt like so he moved out here and he moved in with you. He did. He moved in with you and you were like moved in with me. This will work. It was really hard. Where'd you live when you moved out here? So when I first moved out here, I lived in a studio on Franklin and La Brea. Oh, so you moved in with him in the studio. So I moved in first. I was there a year, and then he moved in um, a year later and lived in my studio. And it was really hard, to be honest, just because we both had different schedules. He was an actor, but he was also a personal trainer. So Uh his morning started at five in the morning. Yeah. And, you know, long story short, it just it wasn't the the right fit. Yeah. But he is a wonderful human. And I was, you know, grateful to have him in my life when I did, because we were really good friends to each other. So I have to get to the nitty gritty. When was a moment because I've lived with people and then didn't live with him. When was a moment where was it like you came down, put your purse down, was like, we need to talk. Yeah. How, how does that It was happen? like six months later. I was like, you making smoothies at six in the morning and going off on, you know, the freaking, what's the little machine? The freaking uh, Vita or what is it called? What machine? The, you know, the smoothie blender. Bzzz, yeah. yeah. Fi- freaking six in the morning. Oh, Vitamax or whatever yes, it's called? Yeah. That thing. Six uh. in the morning, that shit's going off. And, I, you know, at the time, I'm a, I'm a filmmaker. So I'm working all night till like, yeah. 3, 4 in the morning, writing, getting creative. And then three hours later, I hear this shit going mm. off in the morning, waking me up. And I was like, I cannot live like this. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I'm like, this is not the right dynamic. This is this is unhealthy. Yeah, and he, he recognized <laughs> I'm pissed every he morning. Recognized it. And he recognized it. And then, you know, he got his own place. And then found and were you like, we'll still you know. date and live in different places? No, that's when we actually broke up. Okay. Yeah, got no, it. it got so bad, I was like, it's over like I tried to end things a billion times yes. you know but long story short um, he's a good human it just wasn't the right fit and yes and I'm uh, and did you stay in this place yeah I stayed in that place for a couple years and um, and then I ended up switching to a one uh, actually a two-bedroom a two-bedroom because um, I wanted to host my family and have the opportunity to host my family. Yeah. And finally, life got a little bit better, and I was, you know, I, I started a photography business. Uh huh. When I and got out to And your LA. photography is, is headshots. I do fashion editorials now and headshots, but at headshots. the time I was just doing headshots. Now let me ask you this, because yeah. I've obviously I've done a lot of headshots. Yeah. Which we I'm not gonna to do. I'm not gonna try to hire yeah. you doing headshots. 
what we're doing here is real sweet. Headshots, <laughs> headshots are very, they're a very weird thing. They are. As an actor because um, you never, first of all, you never know how someone's going to photograph you. Absolutely. And, and you could, they could be the best photographer in the world, but they could just photograph you. And make you look shittily. like not you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the key to a great photographer is someone that can really bring out your true essence yes. in a photo, in yes. one photo. Yes. And that's like literally a, um, it's it, borderline a miracle. But at the same time, it's just, I think that if, if the photographer is able to make the actor comfortable in front uh -huh. of the camera, yeah. then their natural essence automatically Comes shows up. up. So what tricks do you have in order to do that? Because, okay, let me, let me, okay. I, I, I so many. I, I, okay, well, <laughs> let me just say, because part of it, when, when I first started doing uh, headshots, mm -hmm. when they were still black and white. <laughs> oh, no way. In the early 2000s, they were still black and white. And no. Shit. Yeah, no. I think it really transitioned like 2000. What? Early 2000s, they were mm -hmm. black and white? Oh, yeah. Stop. Yeah. I think it was like 2004 they started becoming color. I was still in high school? <laughs> what? I'm a little bit older than you, doll. No. So, um, uh, <laughs> but I would, I would always, th my, my thought was always, I want an attractive woman to photograph me because m m my interest and attract me wanting to look good in front of this woman will be an asset now i don't know if i believe in that anymore because i think the best headshots i've had have been taken by men recently but um well we have to test that theory okay and so i am on board for the <laughs> challenge so what do you, so what do you, and i and i've had a bunch and i've i've never felt like that's my fucking soul in that photo and and I just can't like honestly and now I can't wait to take your photo because I can't wait to hear your reaction <laughs> now that we have this moment like yes. I genuinely want to hear how you feel about having a photo taken and from me and and I it, it, like I don't know how it's going to turn out yeah. but all I know is that the only way I survived out in Los Angeles oh, yeah, is by right. taking photos and making people happy and making them yes. feel like and then word of mouth. their true unique authentic self in front of the camera and like I am so grateful yeah. to have been blessed this gift from above to yeah. really make people feel um, not only comfortable but but genuinely happy. Yeah. What like, do you think the What do you think the talent you have regarding being a head photographer that sets you apart from other people? Just, just. Yeah. So I think that I, even though I may look, you know, at first judgment, like, you know, some brunette next door, <laughs> like bougie ass, you know, I mean, you can judge somebody all day long. Of course, of course. Right. Mm -hmm. But when I get in front of the camera, I'm just like the biggest nerd. I'm, yeah. I'm such a geek. I'm such a clown. I make people laugh so hard that they're just like, and, and I, and I, and I, I dict, I don't dictate rather. I, I, I give, you know, I, I give them direction of yeah. how to move on camera to get yeah. the angle that we need. And I really let them get comfortable with me yeah. before we get into the shoot. Sure. And then when we do shoot, I'm the one that's so awkward when we start shooting that they get so comfortable and enjoy <laughs> my awkwardness that their natural like essence shows. And then at that moment when I'm awkward, I capture them. And that's uh, that moment that they're like, oh, my God, I yeah. love this photo. And it's like every time I hear that, I'm like, I'm doing it again. I'm doing it again. Yeah. I'm doing it again. And that's that's my motivation for doing that. It's it's pure love. Now, now, do you feel that with the advent of iPhones and stuff like that, do you think it's diminished 
or helped the business as a headshot photographer? It definitely didn't help, but I don't think it diminished because at the end of the day, a photo is worth a thousand words. Yes. If not more, a million words. Yeah. I had, and okay, sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, no. I was no. going to say, I, the last headshot I took with a guy named Mark Cartwright, mm-hmm. who's a very yeah. well-known photographer. Yeah. And I just remember having a very, like, uncomfortable, I, f- I felt like he overcharged me. I felt like a bad experience. I complained to my agent, and I swear to God that those are the shots that get me auditions. Because he was very much like, he, he would tell me some stuff, which I guess the stuff I need I needed to hear, he goes, he goes, you have a tendency to kind of like, like your chin can kind of disappear and you can kind of like get oh this like wrinkle yeah. going on. And I was like, that's our job. So you like stick your head, chest forward. And that's like, our job to so make unnatural. you so uncomfortable because we see what you are not aware of. So yeah. like, that's definitely, uh, that makes him a great photographer. Oh, he was great. I mean, yeah. he, I look at his photos like, God damn, why didn't I like this guy? Like, I mean, who doesn't like, I mean, who likes being judged? Who likes being criticized? Yeah. Nobody. Yeah. That doesn't mean they're not great at what they do. Yeah, absolutely. So all due respect. So I do that, but I do that in like the sweet Canadian version. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm like gentle. Like, you look and stupid like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like I try and keep it like, you know, and I, naturally I'm, I am like a nerd. Like I, I am. It comes out. You'll see it once you get to know me a little yeah. more. So it comes out when I shoot because I yeah. that's what helps people feel comfortable. Of course. And I try to get there as fast as possible so we can get the shot. Yeah, exactly. That's the only way. Yeah, and what now? I don't want to ask me. what your prices are because when I started, headshots were like seven hundred and fifty dollars for like three looks and shit, and and I feel like the prices of they must go down because of the the amount of phones, the amount of people, or or is it kind of is that still kind of the standard? I don't know what other people's rates are. I I think everybody decides a rate according to you know their their patterns of either success or of what they think that they can charge yeah, yeah. or you know everybody has their own methods. So I don't know what other people do, but I just I know I charge an amount that I feel is um, comfortable for me. And the time that I put in yeah. to get what I need for the client and make sure that they're happy. And if they're not happy, we'll shoot again. Yeah, of course. That's we'll great. shoot again. We'll, we, I will make sure you're happy. And yeah. if you're not, we'll do it again and we'll do it again and we'll do it again, which has not yet been the case. That's so good. Don't take advantage of me. <laughs> <laughs> now, do, do you feel that this, because this has been lucrative for you and been, been a profession for you, do you feel that it kind of not interferes Th- with your ability to make films that you might want to make this is you know like everybody everybody has a job yeah and then everybody has a dream yeah and this has been luckily my passion that has also been my job i can feel it in in the in the motorcycles driving by i can feel right the i yes. mean you know god is good <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah yeah he always shows up when i need s- it is most of your clientele from word of mouth too it is 100 percent through word that's of mouth. beautiful that's great yeah, it, 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 I'm, oh my God, I'm so, so grateful because that I, that's what helped me survive in Los Angeles. Yeah. That so was it. So now that now, so this is happening and that's given you some uh, foundation. So, yeah. So because it's a love of mine, because it's a passion of mine for yeah. me, it's not work, right? Yeah. Because I'm helping others. They call me, they tell me they booked a new gig. They booked this, they booked Amazing. that. Yeah. My God. Like 
I'm doing my part. Oh, that's you're how doing I'm my giving. headshots for sure. <laughs> I'm giving back <laughs> through doing what I love. Like I, like, what more could I ask for? Yeah, exactly. Right? Now you you got involved in a, in a production company too that you created. Yes, I started a production company. I've always wanted to start a production company since I was in film school, mm-hmm. and I just wasn't sure. Um, I always knew what I was interested in, but I wasn't sure about my name. A name that would last forever. What do you mean by that? I mean, like, what is my production company? What oh, is it that's going to last yeah. forever? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I was always interested in gangster crime dramas. Mm-hmm. And so I started a company called Mob City Productions. Mob City Productions. Mob City, baby. Now, this is fictional? No. This is gangster crime dramas that uh, are based sus. on true stories now, and psychological thrillers do you only. Ha- do you have a <laughs> podcast about this? I don't. Because podcasts about that with attractive, Ooh. goofy women is a multi-million. You've heard of My Favorite Murder, right? I have. And they just sold for like $4 million. I I. You know, this is my first podcast, and this is the first time I have really? a mic to my my mouth. <laughs> you don't seem shy. Like this is—it doesn't seem like this you know, is something inside, that wouldn't suit you. Inside, I have like I'm super shy, but on the like, I, I think it's because of so many years of just being thrown in front of a camera, having to do something. Yeah. That like I can just kind of like throw myself into it, but it, I'm definitely nervous and shy. You know, so now I feel a little bit more comfortable because I've had this yellow mic in my face <laughs> for like what 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So but you said you got thrown in front of the camera. You, so as an actress, you started doing a lot of film and TV work. How'd that come uh, about? No. So honestly, it was always down to me and one other person when it came down to it. But yeah. but just always going out to auditions. Yeah. And always, you know, getting the rejections and always, um, and then going to film school and then doing all the short films and being in front of the camera that way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then my first audition was actually for American Pie for the role of Natalie. I don't Which know if you Natalie? remember. Natalie was the the like half nude girl with the tits out with um like she the was foreign like exchange Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but I was too young because Thank it was you. it was it was um it an was American production and yeah. I was from Toronto, so at the time I was what nineteen, but I wasn't twenty one. I had to be twenty one. Oh, really? But my agent still, for some reason, sent me out. That was my first audition ever with. Uh, oh wow! And did you have to Norbert show your Abrams. boobs in the audition? Absolutely not. I don't know how it works. Probably no. back then. Who knew? I put partial nudity on my. Um, what on is your writer? It? Yeah, exactly, and yeah. so that's why they sent me out for it. But that was, I was very upset. <laughs> How far did you get up the up no, the? No, I didn't have to. I didn't have to. No, like it was. I went for the audition. They were like, "Oh my god, you're great, but you have to be 21." Yeah. I was like, "Oh well, it was a great experience. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's good because I don't want to do part. Now I don't want to do partial nudity." Yeah, they were like, "Oh, are you okay it. with showing that?" And then like your butt from behind, and I was like, "No, <laughs> that partial nudity was like from the side or something." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh boy. Like just like a moment in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were like, "We want to see the full ass." So like, now, no. now the acting bug <laughs> for you is kind of sated. You don't really have, or do you sometimes go, "Man." I just want to do this one role. I definitely have that. Like, what woman doesn't want to play some, like... Yeah, what is a dream? Give me an example of your dream role that you were like... I mean, for me, it's it's pretty obvious. I would love to do something psychotic like the Joker. Ooh. Where I would 
like immerse myself in all sorts of like drugs and haze and just go into a hotel room and then actually live. You know, what I mean? but like. So you're a method actor. I, I don't know if I'm a method actor. Or you would be willing I'm a to do it. I'm a, I would. If someone said, here's a deal, you need to lose 30 pounds and you need to be this crazy person. I'll be like, yeah, I can do it. I'll, I'll, I'll so fucking do it for you. You're a dedicated actor. I'm, I did gain. I did gain. I did a, a cop film where I gained 30 pounds because I was like, it'll be funny if I'm a, I'm a fat cop. And then I watched the movie. I was like, I don't look good fat. doesn't work for me. Mm-mm. And I could, <laughs> it took me fucking forever to lose the weight. And I don't oh know if I've no. lost it. Anyway, um, but but yeah, in my head, I'm like, Daniel Day-Lewis and Christian Bale. like da, 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 da. But the opportunity, yeah. look, those guys also have like multi-million Matthew dollar. Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, they, they have like trainers, nutritionists. And then like, course. they lost all this weight. Not on their own. They had a team. Yes, they did. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, so so what is the role for you that you would look at and go, man, that's a role I would like. I want to play like a secret, like undercover agent, you oh, know, like, like a ass? badass. Can you fight? Are oh, you trained? Yeah. What are you trained in? So I did Taekwondo for several years when I was younger. <laughs> That's great. When I was younger, I don't know why, my mom put me into Taekwondo. I literally got my black belt. You got your black belt in Taekwondo. That's legit. But this you was and like Joe so Rogan. long ago. Like I literally at 14 already had my black belt. So I have no idea. Like I don't remember any yeah, of the routines. Yeah. I don't remember anything. Yeah. Like if someone came after me, like if I screamed, I'd make them deaf. And then I, you know, their ears would bleed. And that's mm-hmm. how I would get out of the situation. But but if you had a movie, you could be like, I'm a black belt. I can do this. You could fake it. No. No. Okay. I mean, probably not, to be honest <laughs> with you. But I did kickboxing for several years in boxing. Yes. So, I yeah, don't know. Like, that's cool. It's available. I know if someone taught me, I'd be able to do anything. I'll mimic yes. them. Like, a, you know, like I'll be able to do it. Yeah. But yeah. I don't. The truth is I don't remember anything from Taekwondo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Yeah. That it's makes been sense. a minute. <laughs> so um and so but that would be a really cool role i mean what woman deep down like wouldn't want to play a badass oh you just know taking over like all like all the knocking everyone out that, that pisses them yeah, off all like the shitty men in your life you just represented <laughs> by the actor next to you you get to punch them and if you accidentally punch them in the face like, like about a gun hey, just you're like, a listen. yeah no i think that'd be a great job <laughs> oh, yeah that'd be great i would love that okay so i want to hear more about uh mob city what's it called again mob Mob City Productions. Mob City Productions. What was the how, now? How did that manifest itself, and what was the first thing that came about from that? I always knew I was obsessed with, like I mentioned, gangster movies, crime movies, mm-hmm. like severe dramas, anything that was like a psychological thriller, like horror, like just really just dark, dark, dark shit. Yeah. For a nice Canadian girl. <laughs> What do you remember the f- the story first? Story, my that's a Gemini. Do you remember me. the first crime or first story that really? I just went to the Museum of Death in you, L.A. Yeah, yeah. You've been there, yeah. yeah? Of yeah. course you are, because you're dark. Of course. And it really, <laughs> if you gu- if you guys are coming to L.A. <laughs> and you want to fuck with your mind forever, indelible uh, impressions on your head, go to the museum. Like I'm, I'm in there walking around, going like, this can't be legal. Like I'm looking at snuff films. What the fuck is going on here? I was really disturbed. Yeah. I mean, they had, they had one uh, series it of was photos definitely disturbing. Of, of a yeah. couple that brought a guy home and then cut him up piece by piece. And they showed all the progressions. Oh of it. And I was just God. like, yeah, I don't know if this is, this is something. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but it is also, I, I think that for some reason, true crime is one of the biggest obsessions Absolutely in America. Absolutely is. And Who doesn't like the gory, the like psychological twists? 
the Wh- like why does that appeal to you do you think that's a great question what happened to you Claudia? <laughs> i was like nothing happened to me but actually you know i know what it is what so my mom is a saint mm-hmm. in the word of us i mean she is she's an artist she's a hippie mm-hmm. she's an incredible like pure soul yes my dad is a little mafioso in his character. No, but you right. said your dad left when you were. He did. And you but every summer I would go visit him mm-hmm. uh, for my. <laughs> every summer I'd visit him for a minute mm-hmm. um, during my summer break in school. And he was really a mafia guy? No, not at all. He had the mentality. He, he acted like one. He's Got like, it. I'm not the best, but I'm better than the rest. Yeah, like yeah, he yeah. would always talk. I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> he was a, he's a mechanical engineer, biomechanical oh, okay. engineer. So he's a very smart man and he's really good at math. Yeah. But um, he every summer I would go and see him. We would rent movies at Blockbuster or uh-huh. we would go to Best Buy and buy them. Uh-huh. And we'd spend like three, four hundred dollars. Like he didn't even have this money. And he'd be like, let's just like splurge. And he'd spend like three, four hundred dollars on the newest DVDs. And they were all rated R. And my mom would always have a fit <laughs> and she would always call him and be like, I told you no rated R's. And then he would let me watch him. Do you remember your first seminal movie that you watched that was like a crime movie that made you go, man, this really fills me up. Well, seven was one of them, but the oh, other, yeah. but the other one was what was it? Thirteen, uh, uh, thirteen ghosts. Thirteen ghosts was yeah. A, yeah. yeah oh, that like creeped me out, and and it was just like, you know, a movie after movie that gave me like that really impacted me. It wasn't like one specific one that like made me realize, yeah. but it was just like the impact of like watching like PG rated movies mm-hmm. at home and then going to my dad's and only watching rated R's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like that moment of being like, I am obsessed. Like this is like a different world. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I'm so curious about it. Like it's so intense and so, you know, so emotional. And like, yeah. I just, I was so obsessed with the way, it made me feel and I felt like, my God, like if I could create this, yeah, I can make other people feel like this. Like yeah. and that's like so you know, it's so different than a PG rated film. Oh my god. <laughs> right? Like you can't even say the F word. Now when when you were um when you're getting into so you're watching the fictional stuff and then w- what was the first sort of non fictional character? I mean, I think for me, I think for a lot of people my age, I mean Ted Bu- Ted Bundy was a was a big one. Because Huge. you're like, that's I'm that's real. That's not fictional. That was yeah, real. I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm a that's a psychopath. Guy. I can play tennis. He had it like, w- how did that? So the idea of what sociopath that's that's a, is, and a yeah. Like it's it's a if you're not a, 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 a psychopath, it's it's almost like alcoholism. If you're not an alcoholic, and people are like, if I have one drink, next thing you know, I'm blowing a camel in the zoo. You're like, well, what are you talking about, weirdo? <laughs> but like. A, a, a sociopath, like you can't relate to it. So like a sociopath, yeah. like I can't relate to the idea of people like Ed Gein and, and like Jeffrey Dahmer. And how, all these can, people. how can you relate? I mean, Ted Bundy is like an exception to the world. Like he was the one person that was as normal as us. Yeah. And did what he did. And you have you read the book, The Stranger Beside Me? Is it the book? I haven't read it, but I've heard of it. Like yeah. I've, I know about it, but I have not. Yeah. I, I, have, I saw the documentary on Netflix. Of course, everyone obviously did. everybody yeah. has, but before that, I knew about him. Yeah, obviously from just being curious about. So when you did when you crazies. did uh, <laughs> Mob City Productions, what was yeah. the, what was the inquit 
production or project that you had that this this will be the starting point for it? So at the time, it was one of them because there was literally three at the time. Uh, They happened one by one and it was like it, it was always in the back of my head. I was always like this, you know. Polish Canadian, but I felt like this Italian New Yorker. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That like had this like this like I felt like I was like an ex mob wife or something <laughs> from like a previous you are, life. You're a gun mall. I swear, like I felt like that. Yeah. And I was like, my God, where is this stemming from? Like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Like, Could I gotta act tornado, on it. I mean, shit. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> It means something. Yeah. Like, why Why am I so passionate about something I know nothing about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I kind of just started doing research, and then I was so obsessed with researching about it. And, and next thing you know, I'm I'm just, I was, like I mentioned, like, I was, a, I'm, I was, I am. I am a huge networker. I love to go out. I love to mingle. I love to meet new people. I love to hear their stories. And through that, I was fortunate enough to hear some of the stories that Mob City is representing today. Yeah. Um, and so one of them was um, that I will share with you. Yeah, please share. It will not cannibalize anything you're doing, I promise. I'm not worried. Um, it's more about, you know, the moment of vocalizing it uh, and it, it being a, real a reality. Baby. Right. So... Um, one of the stories that I have is about the kidnapping of John Paul Getty III from the kidnappers themselves. Huh. So Saro, who's the main kidnapper, he lives in Italy. He's still on house still arrest. Still alive. He's still alive. When did this happen, <coughs> John? Paul it was Getty. in the. It was like in the '60s, '70s, '80s. Okay. Um, John. Paul I don't know much about the story. So, so I'll tell you. So John Paul Getty was um, was the richest oil man in the world in the '80s. Or I'm sorry. Is this with that movie where 60s. they had Kevin Spacey in the yes, replacing sir. Christopher Blum? Yes, sir. Yes, it was. All the Money in the World, directed by Ridley Scott with Michelle Williams and Mark Wahlberg. Mm-hmm. So that's a really long story. Because he made a fuck lot more money than Michelle. Anyway. No, it's no, it's because okay. it was our movie or that movie. Oh, it was. It was yes. your. Mo- yeah, it's Wait, they took your movie. Um, it's not that they didn't take our movie. They went on Google and got public domain information and created a movie. And um, I know that Ridley. You can be say off it. The air. Look, if Ridley Scott hears his podcast, good for us. That's all I gotta say. Fair. So Ridley Scott got paid eight million dollars to put this movie ahead of his slate of films to bring it out within the next six months to beat your film not to say like i was any competition yeah obviously who yeah. the fuck am but i but they were aware that this was another they film were movie. aware yeah. they knew that we had the rights from the kidnappers themselves they read wow. our script because we sent it into scott pre-productions hmm. they read our script i begged them to read their script i knew an insider producer who ended up sending it to me i ended up reading it and i told them this is a joke guys yeah and let's it, figure something it, out and it I mean, can I and say it, it flopped. Bombed, yeah, it flopped. It bombed. Yeah, because they got public. They got sued left, right, and center. Because really? they're yeah through that. the Gettys. Their information was completely just you know it's public domain, so it wasn't personable. It wasn't yeah. real. It wasn't the true story. It wasn't. It was just pieces of information they got from the web, put together a story, and they made it Hollywood, right? Yeah. But it was missing the truth. Yes, and that's something that I have. Yeah. 
Now, do you feel that because of that film, it's a weird thing in Hollywood because Hollywood has this has this weird sort of predicament where if something works, they're like, do it again. But if something doesn't work, they're like, don't do it. Yeah. So um, because that film didn't really work, do you feel that it has? It was great for us. It was it's great so for us. great. So are you still it in the built, process of making this movie? Absolutely, absolutely. So Beautiful. all it did is it built an audience for us, mm-hmm. and it got the name of the Gettys out there because yeah. people. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, something about the Gettys. But, you know, the Getty Museum in. in yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I mean, that is you the got, Gettys. Those girl, are the Gettys. You got to take a girl on a date somewhere in L.A. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You might as well take them there. <laughs> <laughs> Show them some art. Show them some culture. Yeah. yeah. So that's that was John Paul Getty. Yeah. John Paul Getty. That's John Paul Getty's artwork, sculptures. That's yeah. his So let's story. get back to the story of the kidnapping that I don't know anything about. Right. So Sorrow, the main kidnapper, he kidnapped John. Well, his crew. By the way, crew, his name is Sorrow. Sorrow. That's so perfect. It is. It's great. So he's still alive. He's on house arrest. He's in Italy, um, and he's he has a remarkable story about what really happened. He had. I I don't want to go into too much detail about the story because just wait until you see the movie. Well, I mean, what what, what do people know about s- it? Because I know. Someone got kidnapped. That's all I got so far. So yeah, so John Paul Getty the third, which is the the nep or sorry the it's John Paul Getty. So John Paul Getty was the richest oil man in the world at the time. Yeah, he was a billionaire. Yeah, and his his nephew got kidnapped, and there was a seventeen million dollar ransom for his return. Return. Um, he thought it was ridiculous. So he fought the kidnappers and said, I will not pay a dollar because I have 15 other grandkids. And if you guys kidnap one, then next thing you know, all 15 will go missing. Yeah. So I'm not going to do it. And I will only do what's tax deductible. What's tax deductible? $2 million. Okay. So he was like, I will pay $2 million for the return of my grand, not nephew. I screwed up because I had. I apologize. Yeah. His grandson. Got it. Okay. So uh, he was like, I will pay $2 million to get my grandson back. <laughs> and, and, and at that everyone, time. And everyone I mean, was like, time. are you crazy? You're a billionaire. You're paying millions of dollars for paintings. Yeah. But your grandson's kidnapped. Yeah. And what? You don't care? Yeah. That was the story. He It's not that he didn't care, but he was a very smart man. And he realized that this could be a snowball effect. And, and he didn't know. Nobody knew this truth. Nobody knew the real story. Yeah. Did did his grandson really get kidnapped? Or did he pretend to get kidnapped so he can get some money from his grandfather he that he wasn't getting? Because he probably didn't have a close relationship with his he, grandson. He didn't because of the mother. They didn't have a close relationship because, you know. Watch the movie. <laughs> so wait, but this is fascinating. So to this day, is that proven or not? Do do we do we know if this grand? It's not proven. That's mm. why we've had Hollywood wow. Reporter, Variety contact us to get the story, and we have not given them the information because we're waiting to make our movie. So what did the Mark Wahlberg, Michelle Williams, uh, what did they purport as the story? I mean, they just showed a very simple public domain information which would be what story which is not true which is that to the truth of what actually happened so just just since this isn't about your story their story says he got kidnapped grandpa was cheap as fuck and then did you get him back and then it was more about michelle williams fighting 
with the, you know, John Paul Getty to get his attention, to give her the money, to be able to have this legacy. Yeah. You know, it, w- it was so much more focused about Michelle Williams. But the story is about John Paul Getty III. Yeah. And what actually happened to him. Now, is That's he alive? That's the story. He is not alive anymore. Yeah. Not because of the kidnapping, though. Not because of the kidnapping. Um, but he is not anymore because time has passed. Yes, because as well. Yeah. Um, but he... His his life story was interesting. Also, Vincenzo, who's the guy that cut the ear off of John Paul Getty, who sent it to the mom uh-huh. uh, in the mail and was like, if you don't, it, like, we're serious now. Yeah. You guys are saying $2 million is a f- joke. Like, here's his ear. And that was ear. really his ear? It was really his ear. They really chopped off his ear. They mailed it to the mom and they were like, we're not fucking around. Next, it's, he's dead. We yeah. need the money. They're, we're Van Gogh fans, so this is kind of. Nice too. There you go. So it kind of fits. (laughs) And that's when the mom was like, this is, this is disgusting. You have so much money, like cough it up. Yeah. Save my son. Yeah. My God. How disgusting of you. Yeah. You rather invest in sculptures and, and beautiful artwork. Yeah. Your grandson is about to be killed. Yeah. And he still wasn't convinced that. So what's amazing is that nobody knows the truth of what actually happened. Wow. But, but I know you the truth. Know, you know the truth. <laughs> I do. And no one else knows. Sorrow is my client. And you're not going to drop it on my podcast. I will. God I, damn it. I don't know. Watch the movie. What if I pay movie? full price for headshots? Okay. <laughs> so, wow, that's really. So is now how, how close are you in the, in the pre-pro, pre-pre? So we have everything already set up. We are just waiting for the final funding to come in where... Now, not is the Getty family going to help fund this? No. Ooh, well, that's not fun. No, they're n- they're Were not. Were they going to at some point? No. No. No, they weren't. Um, that was never even a, a no. Okay. Yeah. No. No. Would and have it's been nice not because, and it, it, that would be great, but it's it, the, you know the obviously, you know, time goes by, the family gets a little bit smaller, and uh, yeah, of course. And uh, we're not going to ask everybody for money. If we believe in something, we're going to raise our own money for it. Of course, it. of course. So that's where we're at. And so you're in pre-production right now. So we're in, in development right now. In development. Yeah. Um, which is before pre-production. But how do you, f- it, like, is this something w- that you look at? It, is this your passion project right now? Do you have other things that are also kind this of, is one of this is This is one of them, but I definitely have every project that I've brought home. I care about with my whole heart and soul and I feel like is genuinely incredible content personally. Yeah. I think is really strong content because it's true. Yeah. Do you feel like a lot of the stories that you're, uh, that you gravitate to are, are unsolved things that people in a collective conscious America don't really know what happened or these things that have been retread or That's what a are good the things? Question. Um, so some of them, yes. And then some of them, maybe some would not consider very gangster crime dramatic. What do you mean? But for me, they fit Mob City. Yeah, of course. So, for instance, um, I wrote a screenplay about Paula Negri, which is 
the first actress who attained worldwide fame in Europe and in America during the start of the film industry during the silent and golden era. Uh And she was engaged to Charlie Chaplin. She was friends with Albert Einstein. She was, you know, married to a prince. She did the first uh, talking movie ever. What was her name? Paula Negri. She's Polish and she is a shark. Yeah. She spoke five languages. She worked in every country. She started in Poland, went to German cinema from Germany. She went to America and she did the first uh, Paramount movie ever. Which was what? What was it called? Paramount Pictures. <laughs> you remember the name? It's fine. I don't think it's fine. The first movie that she that's, did. That's fine. The first movie. At Paramount Pictures. Matters. My God, my brain is. Uh, it's been a so long time. So this it's amazing like woman that nobody day. really knows about. Sounds like. I mean, Literally, I've never heard her name. When you see her face, you you kind her. of say she looks she, familiar. Like what was her biggest film? <sighs> One that probably nobody would, you know. Um, uh, w- her biggest one, Madame Dewberry. Um, her second would be um, Pacifier. These are like, you know, back in the 20s. Yeah. Okay, 1920s. Exactly. So yeah. nobody really remembers these. I mean, unless you're like a huge classic film buff, then you'll yeah. know. But um, those were the first movies. Um, Madame Dewberry was the first talking movie ever. And she did that one. And she also did Gypsy Carmen. She also did one with, um, oh my God, my, I'm so tired. <laughs> Such a long day. You can't say you're tired. It's been like a 20 day. hour day, but let's keep going. By the way, are you, are you familiar with Hedy Lamar? Yes. I mean, this, for some reason, I feel like this, the stories of heroic women in Hollywood have been either covered up or just not given short shrift or whatever it is. Yeah. Because someone just told me about how, I was like, Hedy Lamar basically invented fucking Wi-Fi. What? That's like what she I'm did saying. Some crazy I mean, shit, and nobody knows about this. Exactly. There's so many stories for There's women. So it's such many. the time to do it. It is. It's definitely the time, and especially like this was the first actress who was at the start of the film business when Paramount yes. first started. It was famous Lasky Players, started by Charlie Chaplin, yeah. and it's turned into. Paramount Pictures. It was the first studio ever in Hollywood. She was the 11th star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame next to Charlie Chaplin, who was the 10th. Were they a couple or anything? They were engaged. Okay, yeah. She was engaged to him. Hmm. Best friends with Albert Einstein. This woman was a beast. She convinced Disney to... In 1926, okay, when women didn't have a voice at all, she convinced Walt Disney... To change his script and change the cat in his script into a cheetah so she can walk out on the first red carpet ever with a cheetah. And she Whoa. did. What was this? She's a boss. What was this Disney movie? <laughs> oh, my God. I'm not going to ask you what questions. What is it? The Moonlight? Um, the Moon Spinners. The, the Moon, the moon spinners. spinners. And she yes. walked on a red carpet yeah, with the a moon spinners. Yeah, cheetah. Walt Disney. Yeah. That's bad. You know, She's a bad with, with, with someone like that, and this is always, I, I find, with historical figures like that who have such a wide uh, array and, and a wide life, like, how do you concatenate this into something like a, f- a feature film? Because you... So you, know. you take, for me, for instance, I'm Polish, mm-hmm. and so uh, I'll tell you the story. I was I walked into a Barnes & Noble, and I really wanted to get inspired by a new story. I was in the groove of, you know, wanting to write. 
I was going through this moment where I was like, I'm going to be a writer. Like I told you, I was like, I was going through every moment of the business and I was like, who am I? What do I want to do? I want to do it all, but I can't. So at that time I wanted to be a writer. Yeah. And I walked into a Barnes and Nobles. I'm looking through the cooking section randomly because I'm hungry. (laughs) (laughs) And one book is just sitting on the shelf right there, right like I like at my eye distance like right there and it's a femme fatale Hollywood's first star is that wow. the name by Mariusz Kotowski who's a Polish Ooh. writer wow and so I pick up this book and, I, and she's like decked out in fur she's got this like huge fur hat and she looks like a star and I'm like who is I recognize this face yeah I'm like who is I, I remember from film school like who is this so I like look at the back of the book and I'm like, oh my God, this is really trippy because yeah. she has the same story as me. She's from Poland. Her father's a gypsy Polak. Um, she loves New York. She's an actress or she, or, at, you know, at the time I, I was and like all this stuff, she's in the film business. Like, and I was like, oh my God, I have to read this. Yeah, like, yeah. This, this feels too close to home for me to just like, you know, ignore it. Yeah. So I, I bought it and I fell in love with like that night I read the whole book. Oh wow. And I was I was so engaged and so intrigued and so interested. I like couldn't put it down. Yeah. Mind you, I don't like reading. <laughs> I don't read. I don't think I read a book in high school. I did spark notes the entire way through. <laughs> I shouldn't tell anybody. <laughs> but if you don't know, that's like the short version of a book. Uh, w- online when I was a kid it was cliff notes oh yeah cliff notes and, so, and yeah. same thing yeah. same thing mm-hmm. um, so yeah it, and the fact that I read the whole book I was like this means, this means something. something of course <laughs> it does yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and that was my first obsession with this woman and, and finding out everything I could about her and I went to the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Science like library yeah. and I ended up, you know, getting all this research on her and I filled my entire wall with her entire story, you know, you every were like a Meister in Game I went like this old book. Literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, I wanna know everything. Yeah. <laughs> like a crazy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and you know, I have photos to back it up. <laughs> so you've you've registered this? Yeah, I and, did. And you've written the whole mm-hmm. screenplay. I did and I what is that dance like? I've written a few a few screenplays, and it's been uh, it's been interesting. I'm always whenever I, I I write something. It's my first and my last. Your fir- first and your last. <laughs> it, hey, it's not your last. It's, it's your first so far. But it just um, takes too much time. <laughs> so so you and ha- how did you have people come on board and help you figure out the story, flesh it out? I mean, no, as a brand not, new writer, there was not one human being next to me with this. I was so obsessed. Um, the fact that her story felt at the time so similar to my story, like I, I maybe I wanted to find similarities, but it just all seemed so similar. I was like, yeah. this is beyond words, too co- too coincidental. Yeah, it's impossible. Yeah, like this is like maybe a sign from above. You know, sure. <laughs> yeah, I, it is. I'm not gonna lie. I'm spiritual. I I follow my numbers. I really believe in energy and. And it just, it, it was, it was, it felt too, like I said, coincidental that I had to know more. Yeah. And the more I knew about her, the more I realized I was so 
intrigued with her person uh -huh. and i was shocked that the business has never done a movie on her i am too and 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 that's what really made me like fall in love with needing to write yeah. her story not like even wanting but like i felt like i had to yeah i felt like it was my place in this world to retell her story and so i finally got to a place where i finished it mm -hmm. and that took me five years five years to write this story because and obviously i had to work and i had any help you didn't give it to zero, people zero i was scared that someone would want to take it and then go recreate it yeah of course i didn't share with anybody and you know how hollywood is so i didn't yeah. share with anybody now look everyone's going to be running to the <laughs> no because well you registered it um, it's reg i'm not even worried it's registered i have uh a, it's and already how do, you, how do you how do you feel about do you can you read it objectively now all this time later and go this is fucking kick-ass and what's the well, next step for that because that's always the scariest part if i have to be honest with myself i think it's pretty pretty great i absolutely believe you but who knows what the world will think so you haven't given it to anyone yet. i have I finally branched out as of this year in 2019 mm -hmm. and I did connect with some power plays in the business people that you really trusted people most. that I really trust people yeah. that are sharks in the business that I really curated long-term relationships with never asked them for anything never never asked them to you know review anything and I finally was like you know what Claudia's time to say you know let people in yeah. on what you created like don't be afraid anymore like yeah. no, like you're done you did it like you did it. go out there and see what they say what was the reaction wonderful whoa so <laughs> you got the you got the uh, the getty story and now this one obviously this for fills me you up in a different way this is just like she's a badass gangster in herself yeah she she okay so she saved kids that during the war their parents were killed and she ended up creating World an War orphanage II? yeah and she created an orphanage for these kids and built a home just for them over 200 kids that she orphaned and took in she's a boss she also helped jewish families escape so sh why she are women so much better than men what is that about anyway so um that's what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> so there must also be a lot no, of no not you, at you, all but i mean the cool thing about this story too is you have a lot of interlacing celebrity uh biographies that are entwined with her story as well absolutely i just feel i'm this is you know we're we're already in pre-production we're bored like about to be in production on this Life is good. You have a director? Very, we do. We have the crew. We have everything already lined up. Oh we God. have them lined up. We're still looking for the final budget because uh -huh. I'm trying to sell my slate of films. I have a slate, like I, like I mentioned, I have five, five stories and two shows uh -huh. that Mob City owns the rights to. Yeah. And ideally, I would love to sell this, and not. I'm sorry, not sell this. Whoa. Let me let me rewind. It's yes, been a long rewind. day. Whoa. <laughs> Delete. <laughs> that didn't happen not sell this this thing going nowhere um you want to be attached as a producer the 100 percent is the only way yeah absolutely I'm, I'm i've been involved in all the steps and including raising the funds and distribution that 
there's no way I wouldn't be. Yeah, of course. Um, it's more a matter of a lot of the money that's been raised has been private, yeah, private equity. And I have, anyways, long story short, <laughs> I'm getting into so much no, like I love deeper it. detail because it's, it's late night. I'm talking it's great. too much truth. You're not talking too long much story short, you know, we we're can moving even, we can along e- we with can the even sleigh. release this. Let's months not. down the road, <laughs> we can we can release it whenever you're comfortable. Months on the road, it's and okay. Be like, okay. Wh- whatever works. I'm like I told you, uh, I want to say yes to to everything. I don't want to say no. I want to like open up that energy to like you know yeah. new possibilities, meeting new people, and just well, you know, if you trying need, new things. If you need someone who can play a Nazi, I mean, people always. I really feel like you w- <laughs> you would do great. Like there's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, well, that's that's friggin' incredible. So that so th- those two projects alone are enough for one human being. But you have a bunch of other things, and you were the head of the company too, yeah. Yeah, this is my company. So you are I a hashtag it. girl boss for sure. <laughs> hashtag girl boss fact. Yeah. What is what is this? I hope. <laughs> so th- this stuff is happening. Is there anything like that you're doing uh, now that's kind of in involved in entertainment that you're putting out there in small ways? Are you still doing shorts? Are you still doing TV I stuff? I personally don't. I've always been so anal about that and I don't like to use that word either, but I, I don't believe in, it's not that I don't believe in it. It's just personally, I rather not create a hundred pieces of garbage. I rather create one incredible story. Yeah. And so my, my whole life has always been like, I rather do one than like a hundred little things just to keep everyone's attention and you know, that'll still shape their perspective. The, yeah. These little things that you create and they're garbage. Like, yeah. I'd rather not do that, disappear off the face of the earth, do what I need to do, finish what I started, do what I believe in, yeah. and do it the right way the first time. Yeah. And it may happen and it may not. You never know what's gonna it's happen. Gonna, no, but it's it gonna happen. It feels so like it's not going in that may. direction. It will happen, for sure. Yeah. Because worst case scenario, you just do it your goddamn self. You put it on YouTube. Yeah, that's been the story of my life. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's that's really, I mean, this is like really inspirational because you have oh. an idea and you have something yeah. that you're passionate about. That I'm in love with. And you're actually able, just the fact that you're in pre-production for something. Yeah. That was a book that you saw is, is fucking incredible. You know, and a lot of people don't have the temerity or the the perseverance to even get that far perseverance is the key word right there it is the hardest thing if it was easy we would all be doing it yes and sometimes when you're faced with no choices in life you have to pick one and you have to do it yeah and it's not do you want to do you like it you just have to do it yeah and you got to wake up early and you got to put in the time and you got to put in the re- you know research and put in the energy and even if you don't want to you have to do it absolutely and you have to show up even if you want to cancel last minute yeah and you know it's all these little things and when you do it and you're consistent and you keep going and eventually something's gonna transform yeah a lot of people i think in the business and in hollywood and, and i will speak for myself too uh, they developed a little learned helplessness. You know, the first pilot I did that got some traction, which is called I Met My Daughter on Facebook, based on a true story. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah, went through, and I went through wow. a lot of different pitches, and people were really interested. But ultimately, it just didn't, you know, it never 
got high enough in the totem pole where people pull the trigger. And then at one point I was like, it's very white. Okay, the kid's half black. Ooh. You going to buy that? And they're like, uh, come on now. Um, but it definitely made me go with all my stories and all my pitches. I was like, it, it definitely not shut me down, but kind of discouraged me in a way that was, I was like, wow, this is like learned helplessness in action right now. I'm not, I'm not moving forward from so so and they go but i'm doing comedy and acting so who gives a shit but this is something that you're uh this is tommy wakefield the producer hi tommy how you doing i'm just walking past. Hi. he's walking past you're watching the show yeah uh, okay anyway. okay this is claudia k oh, nice she's telling nice me a very cool story hi um take care that's my stoner produ- you want some weed tommy <laughs> <laughs> he works for weed <laughs> I, only in la can you get people to work for weed um, they just had the weed museum the other day on Saturday. Wait, there's a weed museum? Yeah, I got invited on Saturday, this Saturday, or last Saturday, I'm sorry. Yeah, I feel like wherever, like whenever, I mean. I have Instagram to invite you friends, out. So you're always, I think you've invited me to something before, but like, you're always like doing like, oh, I'm in, I don't know, in my head I'm like, you're in the Maldives, you're doing like, I'm like, where the, f- where the fuck are you going, bitch? Like, <laughs> w- like w- what are you, you're making films and you're traveling the world? Um, <laughs> now's the time. <laughs> So I do want to I do want to talk about uh, very briefly to, to we'll, we'll veer away from that because that's really fascinating. What what are some stuff like in L.A. in this business as a woman? You have a Harvey Weinstein story, oh, God, and I gotta I hear the like Harvey Weinstein story because here we are. Uh, I'm going to light this legal joint right now. And we're going to talk Harvey Weinstein. Can we talk about it? I mean, sure. It's it's pretty PG rated to be honest, but at the same time, I mean, it could have led to something else, and it was just. It was it was the moment I realized who he was as a person, and I'm really glad. So that how did the meeting with Harvey Weinstein come about? It, okay, so I was at the Paris Theater um, during the premiere of The Artist in New yes. York. And the I was most overrated fucking film ever. I enjoyed it, but you look back like no one's talking about The Artist anymore. Anyway, go ahead. I have to tell you, when I watched it, I was obsessed. I loved the acting. I was so in love with the acting. I was in love with. I just I loved like feeling like a little kid running down yeah. cobblestones in Europe. Like Aww. just like I was like I felt really good after watching that movie, and I think a lot of people did, and that's why it yeah it, it but made no such one, an impression. No one can tell you what it was about three years later. There you go. But you know, it had its time. Yeah. It did its part. Yeah, and, that's true. And and good for it, yes. right? Okay, so you had the Paris Theater. I don't know why I, just, I hit one hit of weed. I started talking shit. So you uh, you had the Paris Theater at the premiere of The Artist? It was um, the premiere of The Artist, and my ex-boyfriend at the time had invited me because his cousin was in the film business of some sort. I don't even know. We He never really talked about it and was really disconnected from. I was like, but you want to be an actor, and your cousin's in the business. Like, why don't yeah. And, like, it was just, like, territories we didn't talk about. But long story short, um, we ended up going, and I was so grateful that we ended up going. Um, and Harvey Weinstein walks in. The theater's packed. Harvey walks in, he has three models on one side, two models on the other, and like some security in the back. And he walks in, and I see him, and I'm like prepared already. Like, I don't know who I'm gonna meet, so in my pocket I have my business cards, yeah. right? So I see him, and I'm like, Of <gasps> course. I'm like, oh my God, that's Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. I'm freaking out. Like, who am I, right? Yeah. So like I put my hand in my pocket, I have my card, and I was like, 
oh my god like i have to meet him somehow yeah and like he's surrounded by these gorgeous like six foot tall models right and i'm like i'm going in i'm going in fuck it <laughs> i'm going in so i go right in for his hand and i'm like harvey oh my gosh it's so nice to meet you i had to say hello welcome home um you know here is my card. If there's anything I can do for you, it's such a pleasure to meet you, you know? Yeah. And I just like, put, like I had my card in my hand. So when I shook his hand, he had my card. Oh, the old, the old Vegas yeah. doorman. Well, move. you know, I keep him, you know, I yeah, keep yeah. him up city. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so he has my card. He goes, oh, great. And then he looks at me and goes, why don't you join us? And You'll I'm be, like, I'll be the, th the third on the other side. And he goes, why do no, 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 this is what happened. I blanked. No, this is what happened. Um, so I do that and he looks at me and then he puts his, uh, so, and then he puts his hand around my waist and he kind of like touches like half of my ass, right? Like, uh -huh. and rubs it and he goes, you can join us if you want. And like, I was like, mm, like, I felt that. You felt the creepiness. That's what it was. Ugh. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> like he touched you right away. <laughs> like right away, he didn't know me. Like right away, he's like, "Hey, baby!" Like that yeah. type of like, I would like come join us. And yeah. I was like, I was like, "You have my number. If there's anything I can yeah. do for you." And then I kind of like walked away, and I was like, "Oh my god!" And my boyfriend's there, right? Yeah. And I was like, "Oh my god, that was so weird." And your boyfriend's like, "You should at least uncop your ass a little bit." No, like, so I uh, could have done. Something. So did you ever see? Yeah. Did you ever see <laughs> him like, after that? <laughs> did you ever have any other interaction with him after that? That was like that was literally it. And then when he was walking by, he goes, "Hey, you coming?" And I was just like, "Coming in my limo with these." And like five so other. badly, I was like, "Oh, I probably should." It's Harvey yeah. Weinstein. Like, Devil angel. I probably Devil angel. Right. I'm like, yeah. I probably should just like go. Yeah. And I'm looking at like my my ex, at, like my boyfriend at the time, and I'm like, and he's looking at me like, "Are you dumb?" And I'm like. Gross! Like I would never. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but that point. But then, like after, like you know, after that moment, I'm just like, because you know, like that—that that was that's the natural instinct. And he, of you're course, like, and you're not thinking like, that he's going around raping girls. I had no idea at the time. I'm like, yeah. oh my god, he's a legend. He's huge. He's massive. Like, oh my god, like can I go? Like I'm looking at him, and he's just like, are you serious? He yeah. just like touched you up, and I was like, you're you're right. Like, what am I doing? You're right. Like, yeah. No. But ninety percent of women, to your credit, would probably be like, I'm gonna go anyway. Yeah, and like I, I thought of, I'm not gonna lie that I thought about it because I was like, oh my god, like how amazing would that be? But when yeah. he reminded me of the reality, I was like, well, that's stupid, Claudia. Now after like, that really? happened, did you start hearing stories about him, or did did it all come to you when it broke out? I started hearing stories about him, maybe like this was in New York, so artists maybe like I we started hearing stories four years later. Yeah. Five years later? Four, yeah. I remember 2001, someone said, Gwyneth Paltrow sucked his dick to be in the movie. I was like, no, she didn't. Well, I don't know. But that was 2001. I, I don't that. know because, you know, I we don't know. And all I know is that a lot of actors are very, you know, like, let's get the show going. Yeah. Like, no, they don't I mean, have restrictions and they're down for everything because they're an actor and they're easygoing. So the chances of that happening are much greater than the chances of it not happening, yes. especially considering all the true stories that are out there well, today. The, 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 the weird <laughs> Even though I love my women. Of course. You know, certain actresses. 
first of all, and actors, it, it, it's like will do what they want to do to get yes. ahead. Well, it's like that dude in uh, LA, especially. Exactly, that dude uh, from Seventh Heaven who was busted for three counts of child molestation. I can't breathe. He, he um. I want to throw up. I forgot his name, but he was three counts, and then he's and his whole sworn statement was like, "I touched three kids my entire life, and these were the three that caught me." I'm better now. I'm gonna be like, motherfucker, you got oh caught with three kids. No. The amount of kids. So, so for uh, for Harvey Weinstein, it's kind of like it's kind of like the same. I want to throw up. Same thing. The amount of women that actually did have sex with them I and mean did blow him for parts. The fact that by when the he meets somebody and within those milliseconds is capable of showing his true character. Yeah, because he was untouchable. Everything. He was untouchable at that point. And when he touched me, like he owned me, yeah. I was like, "You gonna do something about this? Like the yeah. fuck is this?" That's crazy. <laughs> and imagine oh all the women. And then I was like, "Oh my god, maybe I should," because he's, you know. And you're thinking about this, and you're battling this. So you're like, "But wait, he did that." But, but he did that. I mean, Kevin Spacey grabbed my ass at a party in Sundance. Once. He would have loved it, huh? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I still got it. <laughs> Of all the people, you know, but I remember like, but as a guy, you're just like, Kevin Spacey fucking like, it's so fucking funny. Like, you know, it's obviously a very different situation. Um, And so obviously when the news broke out, there must have been a sense of like real validation. And and do you feel that as a woman now in Hollywood, things have changed significantly in the way people regard you and treat you and even regards the scripts that you're pitching and producing? I think you hold your own. Definitely when you walk into a space. But I also think in regards to me, um, things have just been going at, I put in the work, I put in the time, I put in the hours, I put in the no sleep. I got the white hairs. Ah, bullshit. I I walked around with a broken, Booker microphone? What do you hold it? Well, oh, your okay, pinky? Okay. Yeah, no. Um, long story short. <laughs> so you're not, you're not, you don't have any s- other than Harvey Weinstein. You, you don't have stories of like of men just being outrageously sexy in your time to try to develop a project. Uh, sexist. I think that as a woman and an attractive woman and a woman that knows what she wants and is passionate about what she's doing. Yeah. And is knowledgeable about life and is, you know, um, I think eventually people are going to try different things. That's, you know, people, guys will try different things when they want to try them. Yeah, for sure. And uh, it's it's not always up to the woman to. To have expected that response. Yeah. But it still happens. Um, this is. <laughs> I will say this. <laughs> this is gonna be very controversial, and maybe I shouldn't say this, <laughs> but this is really bad. Um, I was a theater actor in New York, and the amount of gay men that touched me or tried to touch me, or anything along those lines. Uh, People try, but you break their fingers. Oh, you broke someone's finger. No. Oh. I thought there was gonna be a nice violent story to fit your action your action hero I don't trope. I don't have any violent stories. I'm Canadian. That's so funny. 
But like, <laughs> but as a guy, when it happens to you, it's just kind of like, well, that's you know, you're not going to suck a dick. But then, of course, there are several stories about guys in New York. Like, you're going to suck a dick for a theater gig, you dummy. Um, the but first it time I heard that in my life, I looked at the person like. That's how desperate this fucking business can be. What are you doing? Yeah, people can do. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> you have a choice. You can suffer in a different way. That's yeah. the choice you're ch- you're deciding to suffer. But I will. This is what I'll say about. But what hey, some people like it though. At the end of the day, too. Yes, <laughs> of course. Here's the one thing I think that really changes with Me Too movement, and, and j- I'm speaking from an ignorant male point of view, is being a man, being produced pursued by men in theater it was always a little sometimes it, but a lot of, it was a lot of cloak and dagger so it's not like it pushed these people away it just made them more surreptitious in how they negotiate their ways into women's pants does that make sense yeah, of course would you potentially sense. agree with that because I had an agent I, this, I'll tell a story I'm not going to say his real name I, f- I want to say his name so fucking bad anyway uh, he was like say his hey, name Richie Jackson he said hey <laughs> He said, call me. Um, I, 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 I like your You got to call me. He was the head of a big agency at the time. Innovative. Which one? New York or? New York. I was just out of school. I'm like, well, this guy likes me. Uh, so every every friend who would see him at a party or event would be like, how Bill Dawes call? How Bill Dawes call me? And I was like, he's a big agent. And, I, and my agent had just folded. So I was like, I'm going to call him up. I was rollerblading in the park. By qu- in case anyone thinks I'm gay. There my rollerblades right there. <laughs> so I was roller. You literally do. So They're like r- hanging off the uh, wall outside. It was of a the sunny day, house. and I call him up. Hey, he's <laughs> speaking Richie. He's like, hey, it's Richie here. I was like, hey, Richie, what's up, man? It's Bill Dawes. I said, hey, man, how you doing? I was like, good, man. I'm just. I think I said like I'm I'm out in the park rollerblading. It's a beautiful day. Just hanging out. I said, like, cool, cool. Pause, pause. So uh, what do you call me about? Oh. Oh, no, I just, I bumped into uh, Leslie. She, to- she told me that I, I should give you a call. Oh, okay. Well, you, you called me, so I'm just curious what why you're calling me. I go, well, because Le- Leslie said I should call you. And then he goes, his voice drops. He goes, why are you calling me? And I go, what, what do you mean? He's like, tell me, why you're, tell me the real reason you're calling me. I and then I go, up. and like awkward beat, and I go, because uh, I, I want to talk about the possibility of working together. Pause. Yeah, of, yeah. of course, of course, yeah. I know that's why. I'm just trying to teach you. This is a teachable lesson for you so that you know when you call people, mm-hmm. you state your objective and you're clear about it. Of course I want to meet you. I think you're amazing. Let's set up a wow, meeting. Wow, so really? He, so, so he gives it to his sister. He goes, okay, he's going to meet you next Tuesday, 10 o'clock, blah, blah, blah. I hang up. As the week went by, I was like, this shit is not, I just knew You just it. felt it. So I call up you Tuesday. Knew. He goes, "Hey, I go, hey, Richie can't, you know, he's a canceled thing." And I said, "What, Jonathan?" I was like, "Jonathan, be honest with me, man. Is there going to be another meeting?" And the way he answered was so like, mm. "Oh no, oh no, no, oh yeah, yeah, yeah." It was so. I was like, "You're <laughs> fucking covering right now, bro." He's never. I was like, "Cool, man, can't wait." Never heard again. Are you serious? Yeah, he's now a very, very successful producer and married. I'm sh- hey. I believe in redemption. Maybe he's not that guy. But he was trying to get done up. I mean, look, I was cute. I can't blame him, but hell. But that's shady where you're doing that mm. to actors who you know are like, I want a job. Mm-mm. Um, You try. So, but I do think that here's the a, here's a thing. He that's can't disgusting. get in trouble for that because that's all 
sort of cloak and dagger. That's kind of Trojan horse. You he's not. What did he do? You can only hear the truth in the story by the way I recount it using the tone of its voice. That's disgusting. There's so many pervs so in the world. I There's so many fucking pervs in the world. Like literally disgusting. It's why it's so great that I don't have any power, so no one will ever accuse me of trying to trick them. Anyway, but um, that's 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 pretty. Chloe, I gotta say, I'm so glad I got to meet you and get to know you. You're such a fucking cool chick. And oh. I hope in some either headshots, Thanks. I'd prefer you the too. movies. But the headshots, <laughs> I think we should say. So you want to play the Nazi? <laughs> <laughs> I, can be very good. I have a whole joke that mm-hmm. I actually had changed. The joke used to be, oh, Nazis are on the rise. Really? I'm six foot tall, 200 pounds of blonde hair. Never once been recruited by the Nazi party. No one's ever come up to me, hello, would you like to hear more about the organization? <laughs> and that, now, it, the joke didn't age well, let's just say, in recent <laughs> I feel like you take chances. I do. But then I changed the entry, <laughs> and I go, I, I go. Um, Which is great. I was on a date with this girl, and she said. Delivery is key. She said, you know, <laughs> Nazis. And I go, wow. And I guess I guess it's true. Like, white supremacy and Nazism is on the rise. And at first, I was like, wow, that's a terrible thing. My second thought, I was like, I'm kind of hurt. Because, I mean, look at me. No no one's ever come to me. I'm, I'm six foot tall, 200 pounds blonde. I'm not good enough for you, Heinrich. <laughs> no one's ever come with a pamphlet. Hello, would you like to hear more about our organization? So I just I I enter from from instead of denying that they're on the rise, I said they are on the rise, but they didn't pick poor little me. I don't know. It's the same fucking joke. And this is when you know I'm officially stoned in the podcast as I think, because I took a hard turn. So is there anything that you want to say or plug? Or any? How about this? Oh any God. message you want to <laughs> give to young people from Canada, maybe because listen to people around the world, and just say, hey about dreams or something pithy they can put it in a refrigerator poetry magnet it's the most random thing I've ever heard in the history of things I've ever heard I don't even know what I just said <laughs> but is, there, is there something that advice that you would give people like you like a woman like you a young woman you know is it just like follow the dream and be dogged about it I mean you said perseverance never give up never give up Words to live by. Never give up and yeah. just keep going. By the way, you're talking to the audience, you're talking to me, and I'm hearing you. Everybody. That means this podcast never ends. Okay, guys, make sure you subscribe. We go. Like us five stars. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. Bye.